0: Welcome to the Car, Sim and Race Driver Show, presented by Hugh Hattrick. Drive fast and try not to crash. Good evening, everyone. This is the big show, the one you don't want to miss. We've been waiting for a very long time to get our special guest tonight. It is, of course, the legend that is David Perel. David, it's fantastic to have you on the show. How are you tonight? Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. I'm very good. Thank you.
0: It's uh, it's been such an incredible year. I remember when I interviewed you earlier on at the start of the year um, and you said you had some very exciting things coming up, um, but you couldn't say at the time. So I kind of wondered, oh, I'm sure that will be good information. We'll wait to hear what it was. And to be fair, with all the things happening, we'd kind of put it on the side um, and I thought, oh, Um, I wonder what's happening. And then all of a sudden, this explosion of news in sim racing, um, the SimGrid was launched. Um, Tell me, how did that all come about? And what was the kind of motivation behind it?
1: Uh, Years of motivation and thinking about it for a very long time. Um, But COVID kind of kicked things into gear, if you will. Mm -hmm. And... um, basically at the beginning of the year i was reading a book about statistics uh, in the stock market which i know is weird but anyway um and i started to think about statistics in sim racing how it didn't really exist um and how you could like what's the motivation of having a business around statistics in sim racing and i started to realize that there is a business model if you there's an app for running called strava and uh it tracks your runs and if you if you go to their premium service, you get a whole bunch of stats about your heart rate and everything around it. Um, And my brother's totally addicted to it. Um, So I was like, oh, maybe there's something there. So then I started to look around at some racing communities to see if I could uh, invest in one of them. Um, And things didn't quite go as planned, but it was already brewing around December time. Um, And I just, just kind of putting feelers out to see what, what was going on and then during covid i um i launched coach Dave academy Uh like three days after lockdown basically um and with with the help of a friend James Parker who does all the setups he leads the setup team now at coach Dave academy and then i was very lucky because when a racing driver who does not have a factory seat like i'm not a factory driver i'm a professional which means I get paid to race, but I only get paid when I'm racing.
0: Yeah, if, yeah,
1: so I get paid for each day I'm at the racetrack. So during COVID, we weren't getting—I wasn't getting paid anything. And prior to COVID was the off season. So the last time I was paid for racing was in like no- November, at Yeah. So, yeah. so I was thinking I need to do something. So it was out of necessity. And um, Coach Dave went quite well. Uh, because I started to coach a lot because of the, the sim racing explosion. What happened was people in the real motorsport world had nothing to do. Yeah. So they came to sim racing, but it wasn't just the real racing drivers. It was like autosport.com, motorsport.com, sports car 365. The, the top publications had no racing to report on, so they turned their attention to sim racing. And through all of that, I was able to do enough coaching that I could still make a living. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then I decided to use some of that, I I saved some of that money to um, Redline Motorsports. Do you remember them? They were a big, very big ACC community. They had a very cool website. Uh-huh. And um, their community shut down and I eventually bought the source code of the original website from the, the, the developer, the person oh, yeah. who made RLM. Um, and I turned it, I took what he had changed the design completely. Um and launch the sim grid because i want I want this my ultimate dream has always been to well my overriding dream is to blur the lines between sim racing and real racing that's been my thing since so my whole life uh well not my whole life, but since I was like sixteen ish um when I started to use Gran Turismo to improve my karting mm-hmm. so I've always like wanted to have a a league racing website it's impossible these days if you if you um don't have iRacing if you're using rfactor or acc it's very difficult to find competitive leagues online unless you're in those communities already or someone introduces you it's very difficult to find a community in the first place this very low level of discoverability so I encountered this myself when I started to get really involved in the PC racing side and yeah, yeah. you know moving away from console.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I wanted the SimGrid to fix that. And um, now it's going quite well. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't make any money. It just costs money. <laughs> but people get to race there for free on ACC. Um, and I have a team of people who organize everything. And um, we kind of have a race. My ultimate dream is to have races every day, but uh-huh. at the moment, there's like a race every, like twice a week. And we yeah. had a really successful championship with the more female races. Yeah. Um, we're running our World Cup as well, which I, everything that we're doing this year is an experiment uh-huh. for what I hope will be a bigger step next year. So I managed to extend my contract with Thrustmaster uh, my endorsement agreement, and I'm using all of that uh, money to invest back into the SimGrid. I wanna make the racing for free uh, for everyone. Obviously there's gonna be limitations and stuff, but um, you can race for free and I'll figure out a business model around what it means, You know, when you get results and everything, like maybe there's something there. I'm pretty yeah. sure that season two of the World Cup, maybe we'll charge an entry fee. We, we don't know yet, we, we're still figuring it out, but it's been really ex- really exciting to um to give something to the sim racing community uh and also i hope that like i really hope that we can build something which which it's where sim races can come and interact and it's easy to find because this is the one thing that i want to fix is you know unless you know the discord community you're not going to find a sim race that you can compete in yeah Uh, i only found
0: out about discord when i interviewed josh martin um, and uh, because he told me what he, he started filling out all these names of different things, and I looked at him blankly, um, as to as to what they were. Um, but that's because I'm more of a console player than a, yes. than, a than a PC player. Um, but I mean, the SimGrid sim grid has really taken um, the whole sim racing community by storm. I mean, you've had yes. full grids, and uh, lots of close racing, um, yes. you know, lots of uh, big accidents and all sorts of stuff. It's it's great to it's watch. It's brilliant. Yeah. But um and it's 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 a fantastic formula. And I was speaking to Thea, you know, the the Amazons. Um yes. and of course helped to, to train her and get her involved in lots of the, the female championship. It's it's really open and widespread, um, which is wonderful. Um and I think it really has impressed an awful lot of people. And I think from one of the from from a lot of supporters who you know, we play our games because ultimately would we would love to be what you are um and drive the real cars. And this gives us the best chance of, of having that experience. Um, and yes. do you think that once perhaps we when the COVID um thing um hopefully it goes and we can start going back to track days and race days and things like that, you could maybe do a kind of event perhaps at a track because there are a lot of sim racing events that go on near tracks or alongside big events yeah. like that.
1: That that is my my one of the goals is to okay. So basically what happens now is if you want to become a racing driver Most people start um, at karting, but karting Mm -hmm. even these days is super, super, super expensive. I want to prove to people that you can start at some racing and either go the karting route after that or Formula 4 or like a a cheap touring car. Um, And in order to do that, I want to create a consistent, uh, I want to connect the dots in a way like, you know, we had the GT Academy where the winner got to go racing. Yeah. I want that to happen All the time on the sim grid where let's just say like there's a a relationship with a team that i have and if you win the sprint cup the endurance cup or the world cup you get to drive those cars and if you do well there you get to become a racing driver that's like the you know the grand plan for enabling sim races to become i don't know when how long it will take for that to happen because obviously it will cost a lot of money but that's where i want us to get to i really that's my ambition, and I remind the guys every day. I say I want world-class production, yeah. and you know world-class racing and everything, but I want us to always think about how do we become one of the best sim racing destinations for, and it's not just for pros. This is so important, because the pros know where Discord is. They know where all those things are. They are part of pro teams. I want it to be for amateurs as well, because when I moved from Gran Turismo to ACC, um, i technically was an amateur in the the PC racing world, and I knew nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also, like you, I only
0: discovered Discord at the beginning of this year, so. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's a completely different thing, isn't it? It's quite, 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 it's amazing how it has all um, come about, and that's the the, the wonderful and exciting thing. Now, I remember in one of my previous interviews, you said to me that your kind of um, recommendations for those of you who are playing GT Sport um, you know, go in for, a, I think it was about 90 minutes um, and do three races, a bit of practice and three races, and then that was it, leave it for that. Yes. Um, yes. Do you still go along with that or has it changed yes. now that you been doing more PC racing?
1: No, no, same, same rule. Uh, sometimes I go up to two hours. Uh, recently with COVID, I'm not COVID, uh, with real racing starting again, uh, I've had very little time for the sim, but when I do go on the sim, I don't play for more than 90 minutes unless of course, I'm doing an endurance race, which has been organized, but I'm in terms of the practice stuff, 90 minutes. um, And I still do my baseline tests. So uh, I don't know if I told you that last time, but you should always start with like a five lap run at a car and track you always use. And determine, um, oh, today I beat my best lap ever in this combination. I must mean that I'm in for a good day or you, or you you go a bit a little bit slower, so you're like, okay, so today I'm two or three tenths off. Both are okay, both are fine. But at least mm-hmm. you have that baseline test to know how your day is gonna progress. And by using the same racetrack to start the day, same racetrack, same car, you can be like, okay, today it seems that I'm struggling with my braking because that's the, the variable that's gone out of sync yeah. with what you expect on your baseline. So mm-hmm. I still do that as well, and it's boring. But the baseline test is always boring. It's five laps of a track, you know. And for me, it's Barcelona in the forty-eight. And I'm sick of Barcelona. I also do all the, <laughs> all the coaching I do is at Barcelona because it's got a hairpin, chicane, a high-speed corner, S-bend. It's got everything you need. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's very good for coaching and very good for baseline test.
0: <laughs> Whenever I see that come through on GT Sport, though, I go, oh, no, 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 Barcelona. I wanna, it's scary yeah it's kind of <laughs> i prefer for dragons um, no no for me it's uh it's uh
1: uh what's it um brazil interlagos in a group three. Oh, just please no please no <laughs> <laughs> I close so, up. all the worst is Nurburgring in daily race b which is one lap oh, what? it's not a race it's yeah, not a race
0: that's, yeah that's it did, one of the ones that one of my favorite was in mark one original golf gtis Going around the New ring GP circuit. And that was yeah. great fun. Because yes, it was the hard. The slower
1: slack. the car, the more fun it is. The slower yeah. the car, the more fun it is. Yes. Yeah.
0: That was great fun. So do you say that that's you, the the 90 minutes for GT sport? How does it work for someone who's maybe really playing a set of Corsa competition um on the PC? Is there a if that's what somebody likes, how would you um what would you recommend for, for that line?
1: Same, same. I still like now these days I spend more time on ACC. Uh, okay. So I still do my 90 minute warm up on ACC with in Barcelona. Um, the difference with the, the the PC sims is that you have to do your own setup. Mm-hmm. So that's also why Coach Dave started to sell setups yeah. is because yeah. to fix something for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do the setups on Coach Dave Academy. It's real like professional sim racers do them because yeah. they are the best guys for that game. If you wanted a real life setup for Ferrari, then you can call me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But I didn't have the time um, to, to first spend time on the setup and then go practice and then go race. I wanted to get the setup from a mate. So that's where James came in. I was coaching James because uh-huh. he contacted me for coaching. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is so quick, much quicker than me in the game. And then coincidentally, I heard him on um, Chris Hayes YouTube channel talking about setup, and I thought, wow, oh, he knows what he's talking about. And I said, hey, James, I've got this. I've been having this idea of creating a business around setups for ACC, like it ex- already exists in iRacing, but I couldn't find it for ACC. Yeah.
0: Sure.
1: Um. Maybe we can do something. So these days, uh, I just use the setups that they make for us. <laughs> Luckily for me, <laughs> I've got like so. Yeah. And it's been cool as well because it, it, I've been able to to give sim racers an opportunity to make money from from sim racing, which is very rare. I mean, yeah. most sim racers race for free. So yeah. it's cool to be to able to give um, some of the guys an opportunity. And then there's now at Coach Dave Academy, there's um, James and two other drivers. So they're all pros, some drivers now, and four engineers Engineers rotate because they have real engineering jobs, so they depends on their free time to make these setups, and that's what I use. So that cuts down on the necessary practice time. That being said, if your aim is to learn setups, don't buy a setup. Do the setup yourself. Yeah, because that's what it depends what you want to achieve in your practice session, Hugh. So if you want to achieve becoming the best at the Nurburgring GP track still only spend 90 minutes, do five lap runs. If your aim is to be uh, improve your concentration, then do a very short warm-up and then a, a long stint immediately, like of 30 minutes without stopping. Um, if your aim is to improve qualifying, then schedule in that 90-minute session, um, I don't know how long it would take, but schedule some three lap runs, out lap, two flying laps, in lap, out lap, two flying laps, in lap. Um. For so your warm up is going to take about twenty minutes. So whatever's left for the seventy minutes, schedule that out. Um, and that's how everyone should approach it. Especially what I've been coaching more and more is that if you are training for a marathon, you don't go out every morning and try and beat your marathon record because by day three you'd be destroyed. Yeah. But yeah, in sim racing. All we want to do is beat our best lap, but it's the same thing. We, by always trying to beat our best lap, we essentially lose, uh, we we practice bad habits because when you're trying to beat your best lap, you're often going to make mistakes on that lap before you can actually get the perfect lap, which doesn't exist. But up until that point, you're going to miss apexes. You're going to break too late. All those little mistakes build up. But if you drive at 90% for like a week, get used to the muscle memory of the track of the car, and then try to beat the lap record, you'll see a better result. Because you haven't, you've got better reference points, you're much more disciplined, you're able to measure, you know, if at this corner, if my reference points, the 100 board, um, when I'm really pushing, I can break at 95 meters instead of 92 meters, because that will make the difference when you're trying to beat your ultimate record. But yeah. most of the time, what we try and do is marathon, marathon 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 trying to beat our marathon record just getting injuries in the sim racing world so yeah
0: no that's the thing and a big question that's come up and then i'll start doing some of the other um questions as well Uh, because i mean this is what people are really looking for because it's true i think if you drive if you drive too long you just get tired and then you just don't drive that well um i think that's true of when you stream a lot um, and people who do a lot of gaming and they're just doing race after race after race, and I think it does. They can, you know, they can it can get harder, or they just lose concentration, um, and then in turn they're not going to be doing the best racing as they possibly could. Um the big question that has come up: penalties on GT Sport. Now I know you've been very busy driving <laughs> real racing cars to see what's been happening, maybe perhaps in GT Sport. It's been a bit crazy. Do you have any thoughts on that at all?
1: Um, yeah. I do. It's a brief one. It's simple. They have turned their, all their attention to GT7. GT Sports is just dying a slow death right now. Um, and I don't blame them. PlayStation 5 is coming out in what's out, October. It's coming out in November.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And they're probably going to miss whatever original deadline they had because it's Gran Turismo. Um, so they don't want to spend too much time focusing on GT Sports. They, they gathered as much data as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're left with this penalty system which is like, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. That's the one thing I don't understand is yeah. How can it the get penalty so system never improved. It no. just got more sensitive, more like ludicrous where people bump you from behind, you get the three-second penalty, I yeah. mean five-second penalty. It's a shame and and it stopped me from, eventually it wore me down as well where I yeah. stopped playing Gran Turismo because online I still have fun offline but online it's like you know I see a daily race which I really want to do and it's just a penalty fest and all right look let me put it to this way I can't wait for GT7 I really genuinely can't wait I've pre-ordered a PlayStation 5 like everyone well not everyone else but yeah I mean Amazon said it I got it well, that's good, if, if it actually gets sent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and only, I bought it for one reason only, and that was GT Seven. Apparently, you can play ACC on it. I want to see the performance.
0: Yes, but is, yeah, is that you'll be able to play other other uh, PlayStation Four games on it too? Which yes, that. Um, well, no, that's fantastic. Well, I'm, I've got a lot of questions, so I'll, I'll fire them to you. Um, and we've even got we've got Thea from the, um, the Amazons is here, and also our, our fiance as well is here. Um, but we've got questions. Our first question, it was actually Rory who wrote this before the before the stream even started. He said, first question um, for for Dave. Um, I was wondering if Dave could have any drive in all of GT racing, what would it be with what team and with what teammate? He says he is available. And also what car? Uh,
1: so for me, the ultimate dream is always um, uh, to race with Ferrari in the factory team. That's what gets me up in the morning. Two things get me up in the morning in terms of being a real racing driver. The one is to race Le Mans. That's the ultimate thing for me. But uh, I believe that racing at Le Mans is achievable and a realistic goal to pursue. Um, Whereas racing for Ferrari in the factory team is almost close to impossible. But it's, you know, you got to be ridiculously ambitious. So if I could race with Ferrari officially um, at any race, really in a gt car i'm i'm a massive gt fan i want to for me i already race in my favorite kind of uh, series so i don't of course it'd be cool to race in an lmp 2 or lmp one but none of that bothers me Uh, racing the gte for example is incredible Mm -hmm. Uh, and if it could be in the factory team that would be great um and i don't know who my teammates would be nick foster and david erigon i suppose
0: yeah that was the thing. I remember going to the Festival of Speed a few years ago and we actually thought it was the Formula One car that was heading off one of the old ones, but it was the Ferrari Enzo FXX. And then yes. they also had the LaFerrari. And the noise, yes. the incredible yeah. noise and in the rev range that just you know, boomed <laughs> up. Was it up. We kind of ran to the hay bales to try and get a glimpse of what it was as it, as it headed off. Because um, you could recognise the Ferrari sound of these incredible engines. yeah, yeah. Um,
1: the like FXX that. is crazy. I, I yes. drove an FXXK. Oh, um wow. at Pori car and I'm still upset with myself because you have to press the, the button the, the curse button to release the electric energy yes. um, and I forgot I just forgot and the rest of it was just bonkers. <laughs> Is it as loud um, as it seems because even when you watch the in car no not inside the car not inside. Like, no.
0: quite, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah it's so but the, the GT3s are so loud. I, I um I didn't have proper Uh, like usually the headphones that we use in the car are molded to our ears and I forgot them. Um, So I had another set, which you just kind of like pop in there, like they're not molded to your ear or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just did a two-day test at Spa. um, And we did a night. The included in the test was a night test as well. So I got home like or to the hotel like 30 minutes after being in the car and my ears were ringing with the engine noise until it felt like the morning. It was so loud it's, it's crazy you don't hear that in the la ferrari fxx it's it's a bit softer for some reason even though it's beautiful sounding engine it's just yeah. not the same
0: yeah. that's incredible isn't it i mean i remember watching it from the reno stand last year at Silverstone as you went around for your three hours back in, in in may and i was impressed actually because the sound was it was loud the audis were very loud and the audis yeah, loud are beautiful loud. i love um, i one of my favorite
1: sounds from gt is actually when the the Audi accelerates into its pit limiter. I'm not going to do it on the stream. <laughs> Every time I see the Audi leave the box and it makes that sound, I'm like, oh, it sounds so angry and aggressive. <laughs>
0: I know. It was great really fun to watch. It was great fun. Now, we've got a question as well from Josh Martin, a good friend of yours there as well. Yes. And he has said to me, Hugh, do you think you could beat Dave? And I said, well, I don't. i would to have to think, what at... Would it be a race? I think you're going to lap me on a one-lap race. Um, but, uh, but could you do something? I mean, you've, you've obviously, you've had skill for many, many years. And one of the other questions we had was, um, how did you get started? Because um, uh, that's a big question that we have. Um, how did your motor racing and your, your kind of drive to be a racing driver, how did it begin?
1: Uh, long story. Um, but basically, okay, I wanted to be a racing driver my whole life. Um, so when I was born, I found my dad's motorbike helmet. It used to wear it around the house. My parents would freak out. And then I found a picture around the age of three or four uh, of my dad standing next to a Formula Ford. I was like, what's that about? Oh, no, your dad tried to race for three years in the UK. What? He was a racing driver? Yeah, he hated it. Um, <laughs> and oh, that was it. I, I wanted to be like my dad but except I wanted to love racing. So my dad didn't want me to race. He discouraged me as much as he could. And he um, he didn't take me to racetrack or anything, but one of our family friends, coincidentally, was doing karting and he offered to take me. And it was a total coincidence. I was so detached from racing. I didn't know karting existed, really. That was like, I was 13 or 14. Um, and he took me to the kart track and he he let me drive the cart like a few months later and I was hooked. so my dad reluctantly bought us like a really secondhand cart. It was two and a half thousand rand no no it was five thousand rand which is about 200 pounds 250 pounds. Um, and I used that for a year and my dad said, look until you're 18 I'll pay for this hobby of yours um, and he it really was in his mind a hobby I didn't get fresh tires or anything for, for every race or anything. But I was totally hooked. And um, I raced karts until I was 23. So when I turned 18, I started to pay for it myself. My brother and I, we were both racing at the time, both paid for it ourselves. And then um, I had to stop when I was 23 because I ran out of money. And it was a shame, but it is what it is. And started a business with my brother, which I focused on for, well, we'd already started when I was 20. So around the age of, Twenty, we started this this like website business, but we just made websites for like the neighbor and the guy down the road. You know, it was nothing special, um, and all that money that's how we paid for our carting. And then when I stopped carting, I said, okay, I'm going to take all that focus and dedication I had in carting and dedicate it to the business with my brother. So I literally moved into the office, moved the couch in front of the desk, um, worked flat out every day till for years. Um, my brother would come wake me up in the morning in the office. Just keep working. um, and then I was saving up for one more go at racing. And when I turned twenty nine, I was watching Lamar, and it just hit me. I was like, I have to give it one more shot, and then I used all my savings to to uh, uh, to try get to Lamar. Yeah. but i thought I thought that Lamar would cost like I don't know.
0: Hundreds of thousands. Of them, I would
1: it thought, wasn't it? it was no, I thought, I thought it would cost like ten to twenty thousand euros per driver, yeah. and that's how much I'd saved over the seven years. I'd saved about ten or twenty. No, I'd saved fifteen thousand euros, yeah. and I thought, okay, maybe I can find another five to do Lamar, and then I'm done. Uh, and they said to me, "No, it's three hundred thousand euros per driver."
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> I will do, I still want to do one race as a GT driver because I've just done karting uh, up till then, but I was a massive Gran Turismo fan. My favorite cars in the game were the GT cars. I wanted to experience what was it like to drive a heavy car on a big racetrack in Europe. Um, And I managed to, through some help, uh, get in touch with a team in, in Italy. It involved a lot of cold calling people, a lot of cold calling. Um, For the Italian GT Championship, I got to race a Lamborghini at Imola. It took every euro of the 15,000 that I'd saved to pay for the seat. And then I arrived there and discovered I had to spend another 1,000. No, sorry, another 2,000 euros on a helmet that was valid. And I didn't have the money. So I used the the team manager's helmet, a Montoya (laughs) helmet, and uh, did the race. Um, And it was a coincidence. This was... Uh, th- there was a lot of luck involved in this particular moment because my engineer for that weekend, he was just, uh, like, like a—he wasn't meant to even be part of the team. He was a freelancer, but very old and experienced, very, 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 very experienced. He'd worked with Christensen, Montoya, uh, just wow. a ton, ton of names. His name was jean Franco. And at the end of the weekend, it's like, okay, I did my karting when I was younger. I was. Uh, quite successful, and now I've experienced GT. I'm done. Going to come home, carry on with my life. And um, he said, "Well, uh, I almost finished on the podium that weekend in the GT race, my first one, and actually helped their team defend their championship lead. So I was actually behind the championship leader, which was happened to be my, be my teammate, the whole race, uh, wow. defending for him. I'm a Porsche behind, um, and." He said yeah you know you have the talent to become a professional and i was like i've heard that so many times in my life it literally just bounced off me honestly we were having some pizza i was like thank you for that Gianfranco. i'm gonna go back to my life he says i'll call you if there's any any other opportunities i'll call you and i was like yeah, i've also heard that 100 times in my life so i didn't get my hopes up came back to south africa and two months later i got a call to go race lamborghini super trofeo world finals In Malaysia, and my co driver was going to be Mirko Bortolotti. And if anyone is watching, knows who Bortolotti is, he's one of the best GT drivers in the world. Uh, So I went and I had brake failure. We were leading the race, the world finals, leading the race, brake failure. Sorry, it wasn't the world finals, it was the European finals. I'm sorry, but it takes place at the world final event. This is important. (laughs) Um, Had brake failure, broke my leg. The team blamed me, they said, I'll never race again. And then, and then ironically, that same team phoned me the next year uh, and offered me a seat. Um, and then that's where it really started to kick off. So I signed a contract with, for the, with them and the contract said I had to pay 100,000 euros to, to race with them. And I didn't have 1,000 euros but I signed it anyway. And then I just made a plan. I winged it, completely winging it. And then I winged it the next year and the next year. And then three years later, I became professional. Someone started to pay me and now I get paid to (laughs) race.
0: So it is a long story. That's the version. That's fantastic though. I mean, because I mean, most people faced with a hundred thousand dollar bill every year would be struggling at the best times and think how are you going to overcome that? when the dream was
1: a huge risk risk. i don't
0: recommend whenever
1: someone's like so what did you do so i'm like well just don't do what i did because i was taking unbelievable risks in terms financially like first year was a hundred thousand euro contract the second year was uh, 150 and the third year was another 150 and Fourth year was fifty, but it never actually materialized. In the end, I didn't have to pay the fifty. In the end, I got she got paid. So, and every time I signed that contract, I didn't have even one euro to to do it. Honest to God, I didn't have anything to my name because I'd sold it in the first year when I signed the hundred k contract. I sold my car. I sold everything I had. Was living at my friend's house. Was when I moved to England in 2017. I fit. I could fit everything in a bag. Okay, it's too too small for the screen, but uh, like a big-ish bag. I carried that in my helmet to, to England. And um, I remember arriving in this apartment. There was no bed. There was no curtains. And now I have a bed and curtains. I was stressed like hell, but oh, okay. it worked out. I mean, yeah. That is that is something I think anyone who's had a
0: business that's on the rocks knows that feeling of trying to pay the bills and trying to get keep things running, keep it all going. And I think that the stress level when the money situation comes in is gonna be very, very hard indeed. So no, that, that is that is really something. Now we've got quite a few um viewers who are actually in the Simgrid and who have um we've got people like Josh Martin who's been watching, and also we've got Thea as well. Now they're all kind of they've been doing well in, in different races. I know Josh finished fourth. Um, last week at the at Bathurst, I think it was. Um, and yeah, did an amazing you know, drive. So, an yeah, amazing we've,
1: drive.
0: We've got him coming a week on Friday. Um, a week, to, a week tomorrow. Uh, he's coming on the show um, as well. But um, to, um, what would you say to the, you know to these drivers who are you know in the sim grid doing an awful lot of practice, lots of different racing? Is there any advice that you would have for them? Because I think they would also perhaps like to drive in a real racing car as well and do a real yeah. you know, racing driver. What would <coughs> be your advice
1: the biggest thing is that people think that um, it's all about proving how talented you are on the racetrack. But what a lot of people don't, uh, I suppose the wrong word, but I'll use it. They don't, what they don't respect is that the drivers who are, in, who are being paid to race are talented. That is the minimum thing that you need to get, uh, to, to become a pro, to race in real life. You have to have talent. So being talented does not differentiate you. Um, it does not differentiate you from everyone else on the grid. So proving that you can overtake someone, okay, in Blancpain, uh, or oh, sorry, it's called GT World Challenge now, on a grid of sixty cars, there's mm-hmm. three drivers per car. So at least sixty of them can overtake. They can do fast laps. They've all won races. They've all been on pole positions at some point in their life. So it's not your speed that defines you as a professional. It's all the things around that. So the driving, if you have the talent to race and drive a car fast, that's easy. That's the easy part. Of course, finding the final few tenths is a lot of hard work, but the hard part is the work that goes on around it, finding the money to get there, um, being friendly and personable to your engineers, being humble enough to coach gentlemen drivers, um, mm-hmm. All of those things which don't come naturally to any of us, that's the working part which defines what a professional actually is. And that's yeah. why sometimes people will wonder, why is that guy who's always finishing 20th still being paid to race? Well, the, the racing part is two hours. But we spend, for example, course um, Spa, we arrive on Monday. You don't yeah. see from Monday to Saturday when the race starts how much work is involved as a driver and teams really value it when a driver is not just fast because they can find any fast drivers they can what they value is your your work ethic around being fast yeah
0: yeah now that's that is that is something else because i think as well i mean the with the coaching aspect um that's kind of the next thing because obviously people take part in the sim grid they're trying to do their best they want to be as fast as they can um You've, you've now started, obviously, Coach Dave Academy has been going for quite some time. And I spoke to one of your first um, a, 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 a pupils, which was Rascal Rabbit, uh, all the way yes. from, uh, to, from Australia. Yeah, and he was he the second guy. Well, the second year, um, Kevin. And he had a wonderful yeah. thing to say and absolutely recommended it. And uh, he was, you know, he said he came from a point where he was really struggling to get time. And thanks to your help, you um, he really managed to get his times really good. And in fact, he said he was as good as you could get on, on Grand Turismo. Um, which is a, a great thing indeed. So how would someone um, get in contact with you if they wanted to join the, the Coach Dave Academy and get some lessons for you? Um, how do they do that? That's easy.
1: Just go coachdaveacademy.com and they can click on coaching and it's there. Admittedly, it's we're not the cheapest. so. But I, know, I knew that going in because, well, I'm sharing a lot of experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we... Have a pretty good product. I mean, if you know, there's other coaches which are at a very, very high level, but are more affordable. Um, but what I wanted to bring was the real life experience to mm. sim racing. That's that's yeah. the value that I bring. Right? Like the, the style of coaching I do is not based on data; it's based on fundamentals. So, like how to drive a GT car fast. First, we yeah. need to understand like the how, and then start to chase the edge of the envelope. You know. Um, mm. And then, if you want to go to another level, like get coached by real sim racing pros, there's there's other guys out there like Mills and stuff who coaches on ACC.
0: Yeah. Now that's the thing. I think people know that it's going to cost money. It's going to cost a lot of money because it is it's it's an expensive sport, and you're paying for professional advice and help. That it's you know if you want the, mm-hmm. if you want the best health, you're probably going to go private, aren't you? If you want to, if it was a very important. Yeah, that's issue, true. You're probably going to, pay for that money, aren't you? You're going to do the thing to make sure you get the best advice. And that's why we strongly recommend um, your coaching and, and the whole uh, SimGrid and Coach Academy, because it really is something very, very special. Now, do you, from, obviously, you can see the, coach, the, the SimGrid, you can see all those people involved. Um, who would you say are the kind of hot shots that are coming up the field that look like they could be very good to win championships and to go further on? That's a good
1: question. I think that there's there's quite a few guys in there at the moment, and what I want to see, though, is I want to see, we need to see more championships first before I can make that call. Um, what was cool is, for example, when we first did our very first race, before it was called the SimGrid, it was Coach Dave tournament, and there was a guy who was leading called Gregor, uh, Gregor Schill, and he got disconnected. He was either leading or in second, I think. And uh, this poor guy, I just knew how he felt, like, he was devastated. And we managed to get hold of him again yeah.
0: um,
1: uh, during the race. And I interviewed him during the race. And he uh, I could just feel like there was a lot of passion in him. And this was the thing. There was a full grid of very talented drivers there. Yeah. But I could feel his passion. And he's now one of our test drivers at the Coach Dave Academy doing setup. Um, so he became a professional, essentially. Um, through just his 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 work ethic and his his character and everything which is again i was like pulling from my experience from the real world and trying to apply that to elements of the sim racing world um Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm looking for uh, at the sim grid so i'm actually very hands-off at the sim grid i kind of like help define the sort of direction that we want to go in Uh, but then josh josh martin and another guy michael hamlet sometimes James Parker comes in as well for advice they they run that show um, oh, and they have it they have a team under them which which mm. operates the sim grid and I'm like okay guys look here's my vision I want it to be XYZ I help build the technology and design the website um, and they operate it in terms of making sure the leagues are going and everything and um, we have some really cool things coming in the pipeline I want to see I want us to discover um, the next superstar of sim racing, which is bigger than the sport itself, you know? Um, And it probably won't, well, maybe. Maybe it could come from the sim grid or another uh, racing website like AOR or something. I'm not sure. But Mm -hmm. we haven't found that person yet, in my opinion, um, which will elevate the whole sport when they break out of the sim racing bubble. But the only way that we can find that person is if we give them the platform to do that. And that's where I want the sim grid to come in so you're gonna to have to ask me that question again in the future and again if i can uh, along obviously with josh and michael uh help to build this thing in a way where we can offer real life seats and stuff then uh we can really start to say okay this guy's consistently in the top five all women by the way we have the more female races championship um, and we want to pull them out and gives them a shot in real test next to a real racing driver. Let's see how they go and go from there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, because it shows you that people can start um, racing in their in their you know on the console, eventually get onto PC, get onto ACC, develop themselves as a driver, and potentially they could be up there racing at the top or the best of their ability with real professionals. And who knows what could be in store for them um, when they can do well from that kind of racing. Now, I've saved the best till last. Because I know this very uh, before we started, um, I was congratulating you on that second place at Le Mans just literally a few weeks ago. And this was for the support race. Tell us what on earth was it like to finish on the podium at Le Mans um, in front of, I mean, well, there was obviously people there, but it, might, it was just the fact you have on the podium at Le Mans. What was it like? Um, for me, it was completely surreal because...
1: In 2014, uh, just before I decided that I was going to come racing again, it started because I was sitting, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Lamar, and I've done virtual Lamar's for a very long time, <clears throat> um, you know, on Gran Turismo and stuff. But I was sitting there and I saw this r- real racing driver at night standing in the pit lane and the, the car was coming down the pit lane and was pulling into the box and he was getting in. And I was like, imagine that feeling where you're at this race and you're about to get in the car at night and do a night stint. And, uh, you know, then I kept watching the race and I dream about it every single day of my life to this day, every step I take is like, how do I get to this race? And um, I'd raced for Kessel for two years. They have, they compete in the race and they kept saying, um, or some people at Kessel would say, Dave, we have a ticket for you, come watch the race. And I said, I'm not going there until I compete. And the team manager, she, she her name is Titiana. She's like, David, do not come until you compete, you know, you, until you're there to compete. Yeah. Um, and this year, when I signed my deal with Kessel to race in European Lamar, included in that was racing in the Lamar Cup. And part of the Lamar Cup is racing as a support event for Lamar. Yeah. And even then, I was like, I refused to believe that it was true because, on top of actually doing the race itself, I love the racetrack in the sim. Yeah. And I wanted to know what that felt like to drive at that racetrack. So when we got there, um, I managed to sneak into the main pits because of the COVID rules, the support race was not allowed to interact with the main race. But I used someone else's pass. I blocked the face with my thumb, got scanned in. (laughs) Um, Kessel helped me sneak in. They obviously helped me sneak in. Um, I walked down the pit lane. I saw the Toyotas, the Rebellion, um, the Bicolis, the Porsche factory team. Um, and of course, I'd seen a lot of these cars and drivers already in my life because I've been racing in GTs for a long time, for five years. But there was still different being at Lamar. And then I did a track walk um, and I walked through the Dunlop chicane and then down over the hill. And I was emotional. I could not believe I was standing there at Lamar. It just felt so far away My whole, my whole, my whole life. So anyway... The first practice lap, I remember just being like, wow, like just getting onto Mulsanne straight, feeling every single bump. And the crazy thing was, Hugh, I've done a billion, trillion, zillion laps around here on the sim. But from from every sim that's had it in the evolution of sim racing, I've done it, you know, in, in each of those games. And it it instilled the sen- a muscle memory in me where when I did race it in real life, by lap two or three, it felt like I had done it in real life for my whole life. I mean, uh-huh. the bumps and the way that the steering wheel fell to my hands, the reference points in R-Factor 2 were exactly the same reference points I used in real life. Um, you know, the little orange marking on the ball out here and this there. The feeling of the car through Porsche curves and how it felt through the steering wheel when you go over two bumps through the first right-hander and in the change of direction, the way the car gets loose through the left. Um, that all felt like R factor um, and a lot came from Gran Turismo because Gran Turismo actually does have high fidelity in the force feedback when you touch bumps and curbs. And, you know, it was amazing. And then in the race itself, race one, I was lying second. And then I got a huge, huge, huge battle for with my championship rival. And he beat me and I was so upset. I was really, really upset. Um because it was such a tough race. We've, we crossed the line. Well, we went, both went, well, in race one, we went into the final chicane side by side and he came out in front. Um, and then the next day was race two. Um, and I came out of the pits 30 seconds behind the leader, but they decided to go on, on new tires, which meant cold tires. And I decided to keep the tires of my teammate during the driver change. So I had hot tires. So I managed to catch up about 20 seconds on the first lap. So then there was a 10-second gap for the rest of the race that I had to make up. And I caught him um, into the final chicane, tried to go to the inside. (laughs) And we crossed the line within four tenths. So at the same time, I managed to break the lap record as well for GD3. So I was very proud of that because, I mean, this is the only track I've ever wanted to race at. Like truly, really wanted to race at. Racing at Spa was not on my list. You know, racing at Imola was not on the list. It was racing at Lamar. And I know I didn't get to do the main race this year, but I've got it's to good. drive it. And the cool thing was when I was in the podium, like pre-podium ceremony thing, which was very brief, but Anthony Davidson walks in oh, yeah. and he's chatting to, to Nicholas um, Manassian, who was, both of them racing in uh, Peugeot. Uh, Davidson is yeah. obviously race everything. Manassian has done it 11 or 12 times, I can't remember, no, he said 17 times because I asked him and I was like standing there and next to us was the um, official Lamar trophies because that was all part of the, in the trophy area where you go into the podium and I was like, this cannot be real, it can't be real so that's That's how I felt
0: I felt like it
1: was surreal like on a level that I still struggle to compute that I actually, because when I came back to racing I was nothing I had no connections I was cold calling teams cold calling yeah. and then yeah I was sitting chatting to two LMP1 drivers standing right next to the Lamar trophy <laughs> it
0: was completely ridiculous, must <laughs> completely a, week ridiculous. For a week after that isn't it because you get on such a, a mental high I was yeah in, you know it's hard still doing thing. laps
1: yeah <laughs> I'm still doing laps of the track it was so weird because often after a race I just switch off from the race and I was so aware this time that I kept when I go to well, when I was going to bed the whole week afterwards I kept going through the lap, the final lap where I was catching uh, the other guy, uh, Calorelli. It was just that's the impact it had on me. And it felt, sometimes if you you get to experience something that you've chased your whole life, or you meet your hero, it's a letdown. But I told my family it's ten thousand times better than I actually imagined. And that was weird.
0: Uh, well, it sounds like man and machine and track are perfectly matched for you there at Le Mans and who knows perhaps in the next couple of years you'll be the next league up there and going to do even something even on the big day but it sounds absolutely incredible to not only to be able to race at Le Mans um, but to get on the podium as well and to do what you've done it's fantastic, you've got fans across the globe I think they, they love you as well for your honesty and um, for the emotion and just your ability to come up with Phenomenal ideas um, you know, that really work incredibly well. Um, they that, that get you out there, whether it be racing or you know, right up there in the sim grid. It's absolutely fantastic. I know you're on a very tight schedule and that's coming up to nearly 50 minutes. So I want to make sure that we, we do our time properly um, and that you're not delayed with any other meetings that I know you have to do. Um, but to, to everyone who's been watching, um, you've been, <laughs> we, it's been an absolute privilege to have David perrell on the show tonight a legend who has won. I, I was saying to David earlier on about five sheets worth of, of podiums and victories and all sorts here from, from the years of racing that you've done. Um, it's an honour for us to be able to have you on the show. Uh, and I'm sure that the people who've been watching tonight will take those tips um, for sim racing. They now know how to get to the sim grid. They know how to get to Coach Dave Academy. Um, so I hope that they will be lining up um, and they'll be filling the diaries up for you um, to do all that work and coaching. Um, but it's been absolutely fantastic. And if I could just a quick say to everyone um, who's watching tonight, um, if you can hit that subscribe button, that would be amazing. And also check out David Perel's channel as well if you're not already subscribed. But I doubt there'll be many who haven't already subscribed um, to your channel after seeing the interview today. Um, but uh, so with this very quick last minute question, what's your next uh, race commitment coming up this year?
1: Uh, Monza next week. So... Monza next week, come back for, uh, for European Le Mans. We're leading the championship there. It's tied. There's two rounds to go uh, between us and a Porsche. Um, so that's <laughs> it's going to be tough. They have a very they have a lot of top speed, and we bet in the corners. And now we're going to a power track, so that's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, then I come back for for a week, and then it's the Spa 24 hours, and then the immediate week after that is the European Le Mans final. So
0: Thats busy. <laughs> very nice so you can just roll it off the tongue and say, "I'm going to Monza next week for a bit of work there you know
1: no, it's, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, we we wish you all the best for a, a successful and a safe season you um, have to go on these wonderful races and I'm sure we'll be seeing many more podiums and you'll be bringing back many more trophies um, in the near future. Yes, hopefully we get you to get to see you again in in person. At the events, maybe next year as things start to get better. Absolutely. On um, it's been absolutely thank you, fantastic. Hugh. Pleasure to have you. And uh, I'll just very quickly stay on the line as we finish the show. But to everyone who's been watching, you've been seeing yes, the legend Thank you. That is David Perel. Dry fast. Thank you everyone. Try not to crash. Bye bye.